Hey there, Cramaholics. It is your host, Kinsey. Welcome back for another Friday episode. On this week's episode of Cramaholics, I will be bringing you the solved murder of a beautiful 22-year-old woman named Jasmine Pace. Jasmine thought she had met a very caring and loving man on the dating app Tinder. The two of them would initially hit it off and Jasmine would turn to him for comfort in a hard time in her life, but ultimately it would lead to her death. When you hear about someone going missing in your hometown or somebody who has been murdered, can't you agree that it's always just this overwhelming feeling of eeriness and sadness? That is exactly what happened to me when 22-year-old Jasmine Pace first went missing. When Jasmine went missing at the end of November, I remember I was lying in bed scrolling on Facebook and the local news here in Chattanooga said that a young 22-year-old woman by the name of Jasmine Pace had gone missing from Chattanooga. Of course, when the media first announced that she was missing, there was not a whole lot of information regarding her disappearance, just that she had left her family's home to go to her boyfriend's house and that she had never returned home. I remember I screenshotted the information and sent it to my group chat and my two best friends and said to them, holy crap, there's a girl missing from our area. And instantly, it just gave me this overwhelming feeling of the eeriness and the sadness and just the guilt of knowing that there's a young girl in our area missing and there's not really a whole lot that you can do to help. In the days following Jasmine's disappearance, the media was starting to be able to get more information to share. And they start telling people that Jasmine's car was found in a certain vicinity in a apartment complex parking lot. And the apartment was called Signal View Apartments. I googled the name because I remember that it sounded very familiar to me. When I had googled the apartment complex where Jasmine's car was found, I realized that it was the apartment complex directly next to my daughter's school. I quickly texted my roommate and said, holy crap, that girl's car was found just right down the street from my house, almost a mile from where we live. I was driving my daughter to school within the following days of Jasmine disappearing and her missing person flyers and posters were pinned into the ground right in front of my daughter's school. And as a mom myself, all I could think was, I can't imagine what her mom is going through knowing that her daughter went missing right in this vicinity and there's not much she can do except rely on the help of the public and rely on law enforcement to do the right thing to find her daughter. According to Jasmine's family and friends, she was your typical 22-year-old girl. She was very family-oriented and was very close with her friends. She took her family life and her friendships very seriously, and she had a very bright future ahead of her. At the time of Jasmine's death, she was attending Chattanooga State Community College. But when Jasmine was not focusing on her family and her studies, she was being a typical 22-year-old girl who loved to go out and have fun with her friends. Most women in their 20s are also looking for love, and If you're out in the dating world today, you know the biggest way to find somebody is on a dating app. 
I am almost 30. My friends are in their early 30s and us too are also using the dating apps. It just seems to be the way about going to find a significant other. And that's exactly what Jasmine did. Not long after being on the dating apps, Jasmine meets another 22-year-old by the name of Jason Chen. And from what it is described, Jasmine thought she had found the one. She thought that this guy was going to be it for her and that he was so caring and so loving. But it turns out that Jason Chen was nothing but an evil human. But to Jasmine and those around her, he seemed like a typical 22-year-old male. He was attending the University of Tennessee Chattanooga, not far from Jasmine's house. He lived in a really nice apartment called the Tremont Apartments in downtown Chattanooga. He had a decent job, and it seemed as though he was treating Jasmine the way that she deserved. According to phone records, on November 22nd, Jasmine and Jason had an hour and 11 minute phone conversation where the two of them made plans for Jasmine to come over later that day. Once the evening came around, Jasmine tells her mom that she's heading over to Jason's and that she would be there for the night. Jasmine leaves her home and she heads over to Jason's apartment, which is not a far drive from her parents' house where she was currently living. When she arrives to Jason's apartment, everything seems to be normal and she sends her mom a text message later on in the night and tells her that she is going to spend the rest of the week at her friend Emma's home. And Emma and her are very close good friends. But this was off for Jasmine because her grandmother had just passed away very recently, which it is said by her family that is why she had went over to Jason's home. She was super upset about the loss of her grandmother and she was going to Jason to look for comfort. So not only did her grandmother just pass away, but also Thanksgiving was just two days away and her mother knew that Jasmine would just never miss Thanksgiving, especially when her grandmother just passed away. But with Jasmine being 22 years old, her mother just kind of chalks it up to she's a grown girl, you know, maybe she just needs some time away after what just happened with her grandmother. But in the very early morning hours of Wednesday, November 23rd, hours after Jasmine sends that text message to her mother, her mother gets another text message from Jasmine's phone and it is a ping location for her to be able to tell her mother where she is at. But this text message goes unnoticed by Jasmine's mother because it's 2.30 in the morning, she is sleeping, and she did not hear her phone go off. On November 26, so three days after Jasmine sends the ping to her mother, and after Thanksgiving that she missed with her family, nobody is hearing from her. But Jasmine does post on her Facebook page, and she posts several videos of her and her friend Emma, and she posts a selfie of herself. And the caption says, spending Thanksgiving with my baby. And again, Jasmine told her family that she would be with Emma. But what is odd here is that Emma sees those posts on Facebook, and she thinks this is odd because... Obviously, Emma knows that Jasmine is not with her. And what Emma notices is that the videos that were posted on Jasmine's Facebook page were actually old videos that her and Jasmine had taken together on Snapchat that Jasmine had saved. And the selfie that Jasmine had posted in that specific Facebook post was a photo of Jasmine in very, very tight, small lingerie. Her family and friends knew right away that Jasmine would never post a photo like that in the public eye. 
Emma knew right away that something was not right. So she begins to text Jasmine over and over trying to get hold of her, but she's not getting any response. So she makes phone calls and they are going unanswered. Finally, Jasmine reaches out to Emma via Snapchat from her account and the message says, I just need some time alone. Dang it. But Emma just seems to think that this is very odd for Jasmine. I mean, her grandmother did just pass away. She's missed Thanksgiving with her family. She's posting these videos and this photo of herself that she typically would never post and she's not answering. She just, in her gut, knows that something is off. Not only is Emma getting all of these very weird responses, but so is Jasmine's mother and siblings. Although her family and friends are getting these text messages from Jasmine's cell phone, nobody has actually heard Jasmine's own voice over the phone. And Emma confirms with her mom that Jasmine was never with her throughout the week. So the last thing her mom was made aware of was that she was at Jason's apartment, then she went to Emma's for the week, but now she's finding out that Jasmine was not with Emma at all. So the first thing her mom goes back to is she has to still be with Jason. Because her mom was not able to reach her on her cell phone, her mom tracks Jasmine's car with the My Chevy app. She sees that Jasmine's car is at an apartment complex that I mentioned before called Signal View Apartments. Jasmine's mom drives over to the apartment complex. She finds Jasmine's car in the parking lot. All the windows were up. All the doors were locked. But something that stuck out to Jasmine's mom was that the driver's seat was pushed very far back as if somebody who was tall had last driven Jasmine's car. And Jasmine is only 5'2". I am 5'2", and Jasmine and I actually have the same car. And I drive very close to the steering wheel in order for me to reach the pedals. So in order for Jasmine to also be able to reach the pedals, her car seat had to have been moved very close up to the steering wheel. Because Jasmine's mom saw that Jasmine's car seat was pushed back, she instantly got very worried and she calls the police and tells the police that her daughter has been missing since November 22nd and that she found her car abandoned about four miles from where Jasmine last was at Jason Chen's apartment. Jasmine's mom starts going back through the text messages between her and Jasmine so she can give information to the police. And that is when she realized she had accidentally overlooked the ping that Jasmine had sent her in the middle of the night on November 23rd. Jasmine's mom sees that it's the address where Jason lives, which is 110 Tremont Street. Jasmine's mom meets the police over at Jason Chen's apartment. When they start questioning the residents that live in the apartment complex, they do confirm that Jason Chen does in fact live there. And he lives in apartment 210. The details were never officially released to the public, but somehow law enforcement and her family got access to Jason Chen's apartment. And what they find is Jasmine's purse and several credit cards, but Jasmine and Jason are nowhere to be found. The police start questioning the neighbors who lived around Jason's apartment, and they confirmed that they did see Jasmine at his apartment just days before. Some of the neighbors around Jason even pipe up and tell the police that 
in the early morning hours of November 23rd, they had heard a woman screaming bloody murder from Jason Chen's apartment and that the screaming had continued and had continued. The neighbor said that they actually did call the police and the police had even came over to Jason Chen's apartment. But according to court documents, it is said that when the police arrived at Jason Chen's apartment, they were not able to make contact with the resident and the apartment, so they just turned around and left. Hearing this bit of information actually very much pisses me off for two reasons. One, you have people calling in saying that there is a woman screaming on the top of her lungs for a period of time and that there was things being thrown around the apartment that are being broken and somebody heard a loud thud. So when you arrive to the apartment after hearing this information, why would you not try a little harder to try and get into the apartment and at least try to make contact with the people who are inside the residence and you just decide to leave? The second reason this pisses me off is because just weeks prior to Jasmine's disappearance, my roommate and I were out on our front porch and we also live in an apartment complex in Chattanooga, not far from Jason's apartment. And we hear a woman starting to scream on the top of her lungs. And because we live in an apartment building, we were not able to really figure out exactly where the screaming was coming from, but we both felt in our gut we needed to call law enforcement. We make the phone call to 911, let them know where our location is and that there was a woman screaming really loud for help. Not only was she just screaming, but she was screaming, please help me. We tell this information to the police and we're expecting them at any moment to show up to try and figure out who this woman was screaming for help, but not a single person ever showed up to our apartment complex. And to this day, we still have no idea what exactly had happened. So knowing that we experienced that personally and then knowing what happened when Jasmine was screaming inside Jason's apartment, it just makes me so infuriated knowing that our local law enforcement here in Chattanooga is not doing their jobs thoroughly. After the police receive the information that they heard a woman screaming and a loud thud and they go into Jason's apartment and find Jasmine's purse and several credit cards, they were able to obtain a search warrant to go in and thoroughly search through Jason's apartment. After getting the search warrant, they go into the apartment and what they realize very quickly is that a homicide had taken place inside Jason's apartment. It is reported in the affidavit that there was blood in the kitchen, in the bathroom, all over the carpet in the apartment, and that there was cleaning supplies that was left over and a Walgreens bag that was sitting on the couch. Not only did they find this evidence, but a neighbor of Jason's had a ring camera that he handed over to the police. What the camera footage showed was in the early morning of Wednesday, November 23rd, it picked up Jason leaving his apartment building without Jasmine. In this footage, it showed Jason Chen with a what looked like a black scarf wrapped around his head, his right hand was covered, and he was wearing a surgical mask. Because the police found the empty Walgreens bag sitting on Jason's couch, they go to all of the local Walgreens stores near Jason's home to get their camera footage to see if they can pick up Jason in the store. 
And they do find Jason at one of the local Walgreens stores. And what they see on the camera footage is Jason buying bandages and two bottles of peroxide. But that was not the only time that Jason had went to the Walgreens that day. The second time Jason went to the Walgreens, the camera footage showed that he was buying bottles of peroxide again and six paper towel rolls. The police are obviously having a lot of luck with the camera footage. They found the camera footage from the neighbor's ring doorbell, which showed Jason leaving his apartment without Jasmine. They got the Walgreens camera footage twice, showing that Jason was buying the cleaning supplies that likely cleaned up the crime scene in his apartment. So they try one more time with camera footage from the traffic cams here in downtown Chattanooga. And guess what? They get a perfect hit. What they see on the traffic cams is Jasmine's car being driven from the Tremont Apartments to the Signal View apartment complex. And they got really lucky again because the camera footage was clear enough to show exactly who was driving Jasmine's car. And it was somebody with a hood over their head and a scarf over their face with a surgical mask. It was the exact same thing that Jason was seeing when he was leaving his apartment complex. Now that the police have obtained all of this evidence against Jason, a press conference is held to let the public know that they believe that Jasmine is no longer just a missing person and that they believe that she has been murdered by 22-year-old Jason Chen and to let the public know that they are on the lookout for Jason and that they are asking the public to step forward with any information that they have because they, of course, want to be able to locate Jasmine to bring her home to her family. On November 29th, 2002, so eight days after Jasmine originally went missing, the police are able to locate Jason in Nolensville, Tennessee, which is just outside of Nashville. And there is about a two-hour distance between Chattanooga and Nashville. When they arrive in Nolensville, they find Jason at a family member's house. When they go to the house, they find that Jason has lacerations all over his right hand, which is likely why he had his right hand covered which was seen in the neighbor's camera footage and right then jason is arrested and charged with the murder of 22 year old jasmine pace but there is still a lot to be done because jasmine's remains at this point had still not been located Although the police had originally dropped the ball when they first got the call about a screaming woman at Jason's apartment complex, they were now determined that they were going to do whatever they could to be able to locate Jasmine and bring her back to her family. So on December 1st, just days after Jason was arrested, it is announced to the public that the law enforcement here in Chattanooga had found Jasmine Pace's remains off of Suck Creek Road. Once it is announced to the local community that Jasmine's remains were found, her family and friends were just absolutely devastated. Jasmine was a very kind, beautiful woman with an amazing soul, and her family and friends just felt like, how could somebody do something so horrible to such a beautiful person? So many of her family and friends had taken to Facebook to share videos and all of these amazing memories of Jasmine. And I remember looking at her Facebook page and her mom had posted a video of Jasmine. And in this video, she is rocking her niece who she was very close to and loved very much. And she's singing to her niece. And I remember just starting to cry watching this video because you can just see the light in Jasmine's eyes that she was such an amazing woman woman. 
On December 9th, Jason is brought into court on a bond hearing, and there is a lot of information that was shared during this bond hearing. It is said by Jason's mother that Jason did not have any mental health issues that she was aware of. Jason had actually left the United States at a very young age and moved to China with his grandparents until the age of four. And then at the age of four, he moved back to Tennessee. Although his mother says that everything seemed to be perfectly fine with Jason, but friends of Jason's had other things to say. According to them, Jason often had a hard time being able to keep a job because he was always getting fired for stealing things from his place of work. Not only was Jason doing things like that, but it was also said by his friends that Jason was often impersonating people online. So that is why they believe that Jason was the one who likely posted all of those videos in that inappropriate photo of Jasmine on her Facebook page. Jason's mom also goes on in this hearing to say that Jasmine's family had actually shown up at her home looking for Jasmine. And this prompted her to reach out to Jason to ask about Jasmine. When she reaches out to Jason to try and find if he has seen Jasmine, he tells his mom he has no idea and that she left his home on the 23rd to go to her friend Emma's house. It was also said in this bond hearing that the phone records had showed that the same night that he had killed Jasmine inside of his apartment, he went straight to Nashville and headed straight to the Nashville airport. But financial records had showed that Jason never purchased a plane ticket. So they're thinking that Jason had the idea of fleeing, but for some reason backed out and just went to his family member's home. During the hearing, the autopsy was also brought in and was discussed. And unfortunately, and very sadly, this autopsy showed that Jasmine had been stabbed 60 times. Jasmine is a very tiny girl. She is 5'2 and weighs just around 100 pounds. So the fact that Jason had stabbed Jasmine 60 times just showed that he was going to make sure that Jasmine was dead. Only somebody evil could do something so horrific to another human being. Based on all of the evidence and the horrific details from the autopsy, the judge has set Jason's bond at $5 million. The judge goes on to say that if Jason does somehow make bond, that he is going to be on house arrest pending his trial. But Fortunately, Jason has not yet, as of right now, set bond, so he is still currently sitting in the Chattanooga jail. This is a case that is very fresh. There was a lot of details shared in this episode, but there's still a lot of details to come within the next few months and the next year or so. I do plan to keep you guys updated on what is going to unfold in Jasmine's homicide. But what we do know right now is that a very happy, beautiful, young, loving 22-year-old girl was taken away from her family way too soon. Jasmine was a kind soul who did not deserve any of this. Although Jasmine has been returned to her family, her family still has a lot of hard things to face ahead of them, such as Jason's trial. And they plan to see it through to get Jasmine the justice that she deserves. Since Jasmine's death, there has been a very overwhelming, eerie feeling here in our small city of Chattanooga, knowing that there was a monster so close and we had no idea. 
as somebody who does use dating apps in the city of Chattanooga, it has been a very unsettling feeling for myself and my friends too because he was on those same exact dating apps that we are on, which shows us that this could happen to any one of us at any time. If you are a female or even a male who is currently using several dating apps, we urge you to just be careful of who you are meeting because you just never know. Jasmine met somebody who she thought was a loving, caring man and somebody that she thought she was going to end up with for good. Jasmine's life was taken way too soon and I will continue to update you guys as this unfolds. Crimeaholics, if you haven't already, I highly encourage you to join a Crimeaholics podcast discussion group on Facebook. You can follow us on Instagram at crimeaholics.podcast where I will have photos of Jasmine posted and that really beautiful video of her rocking her niece to sleep. And if you would like, you can also follow me personally on Instagram at this is Kenzie, K-E-N-Z-I underscore. And Crimeaholics, as always, be aware and take care.